Lord, we do uh, look forward to today and we do pray, God, as the team is traveling, that, uh, Lord, you keep them safe on the highway and bless them. And God, I pray that as they're kind of wrapping everything up right now as we're gathering together, I, I, I just ask that the church there would be blessed. Thank you for uh, Pastor Roberto and the ministry that's going on there in Keno. And just again, bless that team. Use them as they get ready to travel, Lord. Keep them safe on the road and do open up that border so there wouldn't be a hassle getting across and, and it would be uh, easy for them. And, and uh, Lord, we just thank you for what you've done and, and uh, just thank you for that team. And God, as we look at uh, here, Peter and Cornelius and a group of people Lord, doing ministry in the first century, Lord, I, I just pray again you would impact our hearts and our lives in the 21st century, that we would know and understand the same God who guided and directed Peter and guided and directed Cornelius is the, is the same God who guides and directs us. And I, I ask that as we look at what's going on with these guys, that it would, again, encourage us, Lord, to take, out some, to take some steps of boldness and get outside of our comfort zone, get outside of, of uh, Lord, the thing that kind of we, we feel safe in, so to speak, and, and that we would take some chances. And Lord, I, I pray that as Cornelius, man, we would be men and women of faith, trusting you. So bless this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you remember, we kind of left off. Peter is hanging out with some Gentiles. So remember the whole vision thing happened and then the Gentiles showed up and, you know, I know it's been a week for us, but man, I, I just think about that night had to be a little bit awkward, maybe even tense. Peter's never had Gentiles in his house. He's never spent time with them. And he did it. And think about, think about the first time you did something that was so outside of your realm, and maybe some of you have never done that, and you need to, but you get outside of your comfort zone, you're with some, and now you've done it. It's awkward, and it's hard. And I, I, I just imagine, man, if, if you know, maybe the Gentiles were sleeping with one eye open, the Jews are sleeping with their other eye open, they're going to watch each other, trying to figure out what's going on. This had to be crazy. So here's what we're doing. We're covering like four days that you understand from the beginning of, of Acts chapter 10 to where we're going to finish today. Four days. So day one, remember day one, Cornelius had the vision and then sent the guys off, right? Then day two, the guys arrived from, from Caesarea to Joppa. Peter has a vision. Then Peter goes down and greets them. Then they spend the night. Day three, they leave. We're going to read about that. Then day four, they show up at, at, at Caesarea at Cornelius's house. So think about, listen, it didn't just happen like this. There was some time going on, things happening, and I gotta, I gotta be really honest. I think there was a lot of struggle going on in different people's hearts while they're trying to do this. We just sang a bunch of songs about how we're going to be faithful, how we're going to follow the Lord, how strong He is, how great He is. I, I gotta challenge us, are we willing to test that? like Peter. So here's Peter. Listen, here's Peter, verse 23. It says, Then he invited them in and lodged them. So that's hanging out. They spent the night. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. So it took them two days, right, to get there. Think about that journey. Think about that walk and what had to be going on in their hearts. 
I don't know about you guys, but I talk to myself a lot because I like to talk. And think about walking along. Now, God has shown Peter a little bit. And he's also, the guys have approached him and said, you've got to come and you've got to share with Cornelius because he had this vision. Peter says, okay, I'm going to do it. Now you've got a two-day journey. Would you be talking to yourself on that journey? Would you be saying, wow, what am I doing? Remember, man, this guy has never done anything like this before. Ever, ever, his entire life. Would you be asking yourself, what am I, crazy? What am I doing? I would be talking to myself the whole time. I'd be saying, well, maybe, you know, maybe that whole sheet thing was, maybe it was just about food and I can just like chill out on food and maybe I really shouldn't be with these guys. I don't even know these guys. And I'm going to see Cornelius. And you've got to remember, he's a centurion. He's a captain or whatever of the army that's, in their mind, invaded Israel, right? Their enemies. Why am I going to talk to this guy? Maybe I shouldn't even go. Maybe, you know what, maybe we should skip our way. Maybe we should all turn around. Then you got the six guys who are with you. they got to be questioning stuff, right? And all of that has to be going on in this turmoil in their heart and, and the questioning and the doubting. Now, maybe you guys don't struggle with that. I struggle with stuff like that. And I'm, 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 I'm very easily to talk myself out of something good, right? I almost, well, you know what, next time. And I can imagine how hard it was walking along. Now, I don't think they were sharing this stuff out loud. And maybe they even walked in silence. Who knows? But they're cooking along. Then they get to Caesarea. Here's what I'm thinking. Then you enter Caesarea and you go, man, I hope these guys forgot the address. Maybe we won't even find Cornelius' house and we'll all be good, right? They get to Caesarea. Now, now listen, that turmoil is going on within them. But check out what Cornelius is doing. Look in the middle of verse 24. It says, now Cornelius was waiting for them. How cool is that, man? This guy has been waiting. I don't know how many days he's been waiting. But listen, he was waiting and called together his relatives and close friends. Here's what Cornelius did, man. He's not even saved yet and he's already bringing people to Jesus. Listen, he's grabbing his close friends, his family. Come on, you guys, you've got to hear this guy Peter is coming. Now, I believe they all knew at least a little bit of what was going on, right? They knew what was going on in Jerusalem, this whole thing that this guy was crucified, he died, these other guys are following him. They got this story that he rose from the dead. They got all of this stuff. They got this thing called Christianity or the way. And they, listen, they, they had heard of all of that. Maybe even they'd heard about this guy Peter, but man, gathering people. When was the last time you gathered somebody and brought them to hear the Word of God? Huh, that's kind of convicting, isn't it? And Peter, gra I mean, Cornelius grabs his family and friends and says, you've got to be here when he gets here. That blows my mind. That guy is a man of faith, isn't he? He's a guy really trusting the Lord and trusting what's going to happen. So they're all there. So Peter arrives, verse 25, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Uh-oh. A little awkward, right? You go in and, hey, I know there's some even evangelical pastors who would, well, you should bow down when I walk in the room. 
That had to be a little awkward for Peter, right? You walk in a room and a guy's bowing down at your feet. Now, listen, if you've got an ego or a problem, you're going to kind of enjoy it. But Peter, I think it's going, what is going on? So listen to what Peter does. I love it, man. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. Don't you be doing that, man. What is the matter with you, right? What, are you crazy? Now, listen, you've got to love Peter for doing that, don't you? Because as I said, some, some, some people that I've seen would enjoy that. Some of, some of us may even struggle with that if somebody did that. But Peter stands him up right away. Unlike, it's interesting, in Rome at the Basilica of St. Peter, they have a statue of Peter in there. And as people go in, they kiss the feet of Peter. Kind of a drag, huh, when you read this. They've kissed the feet of Peter so much they kissed his toe off. His toe's not there. It's kind of weird. I was reading one commentary. He says, and they all got toe main poisoning. But that's, that's a bad joke, wasn't it? But listen, man. Look at the difference between Peter and even some of those who want to exonerate and lift him up, which is not a good thing. Peter goes, no, you don't, you don't bow down to me. You don't do that. I love that, man. I love that. He's, kinda, he's a humble guy. He's just like us. But I also think at the same time he's thinking, ay, 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 I'm in a Gentile's house. Never done that before. Never went beyond the threshold of a Gentile, much less a person who's a leader in the army that you really hate. That's huge. Like I've done some ministry in some areas that, that I felt like, well, might be a little bit sketchy, but I've never gone that far. You know, Almost everything I've done has been somewhat, listen, somewhat familiar to me. Even I think of Mexico ministry, the, maybe the most unfamiliar, if we hiked in a village that was you know, so remote and so out that they didn't have any houses or anything. That was a little bit, was a little bit odd, but I, I never felt like I was completely outside of who I am. This has got to be huge for Peter. So he's in there, and I think he's thinking, and who are all these people, Right? I was just supposed to come and talk to Cornelius. Who are all these people? So Peter said to them in verse 28, I'm sorry, in verse 27, and as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together, and he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go into uh, one of another nation. Good going, Pete. Man, I'm thinking, you probably should have skipped that part. I mean, here he walks in, he goes, I shouldn't even be in here because you guys are like, what are you doing, man? I'm thinking, why are you doing this? Now, listen, I think he's trying to, here's what I think. I think he's trying to soothe his own conscience. I think he's trying to fix things in his own head. And he goes, hey, you guys, you know how it's even unlawful for me to even be here. But I, I kind of like what he says, right? At, at, in the middle of verse 28, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Even that is kind of like what they say, a left-handed compliment, Right? Well, I'm not going to, God showed me I shouldn't call you common or unclean, although I think you're common and unclean, but God showed me not to call you that out loud. I think 27 and 28, he should have skipped. He should have just kind of left that stuff out, let it alone, just gone in there and done ministry. But nonetheless, he tells them that. And then I love 29. Therefore, I came without objection. Yeah, you kind of fought a little bit, Pete. Remember when he said, no, Lord, right? 
Therefore I came without objection as soon as I went, as soon as I was sent for, and I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? Cornelius, what's up, man? Why am I here? I kinda, here's what I like about what Peter's doing here. He's engaging Cornelius. You know, sometimes when we feel like we should witness to somebody or, you know, we're finally obedient to do it, sometimes we kind of go and we just kind of go full force and don't engage the people. We're just like blasting them with what we have. I like the idea that Peter's going, so Cornelius, why am I here? You start it, I'll finish it, right? Remember that with people. Engage people. Talk to them. Let them know that you know they're a human being and you know they're there and let them know you're kind of interested in them. Hey, I want to know why I'm here because I'm about ready to unload on you and it's going to be so good. But first tell me why you think I'm here. Right? What's up? Why'd you send for me? So Cornelius, listen, Cornelius recites what what we've read before, verse 30. So Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house and behold a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered uh, in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea, and when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Woo, man, you know what? That's, that's like music to a pastor's ear. When somebody goes, hey, just give it to me, man. We're here. We want to listen. Man, I mean, I think Peter was going, wow. You know, someone asked Spurgeon one time what it takes or why he was such a great pastor or a great teacher. You know, what makes a great pastor a great teacher? I love his answer. You know what his answer was? A great congregation. You see, people got to want to hear, right? And you got to love this, man. People got to, these guys are, all these guys gathered. I don't know what Cornelius told them. But they're all there and they're going, we want to hear. We're here to hear you, Peter. We're here to hear what God has given you to give us. Isn't that why we gather here? To hear what God has given us today? What, what God is going to speak to our hearts individually and corporately. So they're saying, listen, that's why we're here. And I think Peter's going, yes. So he starts, listen, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Don't you love that? Here's what he's saying. God loves all men. He's not, he, he, God doesn't have favorites. Now for us, that's kind of, we kind of believe that. I hope as Christians we understand that. But here's an interesting thing. He's a Jew saying that. Most Jews think they're special. Listen, I believe the Jews are chosen by God to accomplish God's will. I believe they're chosen. But listen, they're not favored. They're not his favorites and we're kind of the other kids. Do you see what he's saying? God doesn't have... That's amazing for a Jew to say that. And especially amazing for a Jew to say that in the first century at Cornelius' house, right? So here's what I perceive... 
God shows no partiality. Verse 35, But in every nation, whoever fears God, fears Him, and works righteousness or does what is right, is accepted by Him. Now listen carefully. Peter's not telling them that is the way to be saved. Because some people mess up that last verse and here's what they say. Well, Peter teaches a work salvation that we need to work for our salvation. It's not. Here's what he's letting them know. Listen, I think this is so important for us to get a hold of. Cornelius had been given light. And he acted on that light, didn't he? He began to pray. He began to give alms. He began to seek after God. And as he sought after God, God gave him more light. And then God revealed to him to send to Peter. And then Peter now has come to share with Cornelius. You see, here's what I believe. Sometimes when I share with people, they tell me, but what about people who live in an isolated area? They never hear the gospel because I believe Jesus Christ is the only way. I'm, I don't just, I'm convinced of that. We're going to read about that in a moment. But I believe he's the only way. And then people say, well, if he's the only way, what about people who've never heard? And they usually talk about some isolated group and stuff, right? Have you guys ever experienced that? People tell you that? Well, the, my, my pat answer, because that's all I give, but my pat answer is, well then, if you're so concerned about them, why don't you get saved and go tell them about Jesus? That's what I tell them right away, and then they get a little frustrated. But listen carefully. Do you hear what Peter's saying here? If somebody is seeking after God, they're going to find Him. That's what Peter is letting us know. I don't care how remote they are. I don't care how isolated they are. I don't care how distant they are. If they're seeking after God, they're going to find God. God doesn't like, sorry man, just hang out out there and you know, good luck. Well, he's going to send somebody. Here's what blows my mind. God is working in the heart of Cornelius and God is working in the heart of Peter to bring about this incident that we're reading, man. God is sovereignly bringing them together, but both men are making very valid choices in their lives, aren't they? Hey, I'm going to go see Cornelius. Cornelius is going to be home. He's got friends over. Are you seeing how the sovereignty of God and human responsibility so interweave together and work together you can't separate them? And so here they are, and Peter's going, hey, Man, here's what I know. God's not a respecter of persons. God's not doesn't show partiality. And I know any nation, any man in any nation, anywhere, if he's really seeking after God, he's going to find him. So that's, that's kind of him setting up. Now, 36 through 43 is going to be Peter's presentation, if you will. Him sharing the gospel, Peter style. And here's what I want. I want us to kind of grasp a little bit of it. I don't want us to memorize these verses and then go out and share them with somebody because they're probably not going to make a lot of sense to whoever you... But I want you to get the principle of what Peter's doing. Now, some of the commentaries I read kind of interested me. They go, well, well Luke condensed what he said. Surely he had to say a lot more. And I'm thinking, why do you think, Luke, why do you think Peter said more? Listen, this isn't a church setting where he's doing a whole message and a whole teaching. This is him showing up at somebody's house to share Jesus with them. And usually when you share Jesus, listen, don't go on and on and on and on and on and on. Give them the gospel. I think this is exactly what Peter said. And we can, when we get to heaven, we can ask him. But I'm going against the commentaries. I think this is what Peter shared. Because I think he was giving them the truth. So here's what we're going to do. Peter's going to have a quick intro, kind of getting them involved with Jesus. And he's going to talk about the life the death, the resurrection, and the judgment of Jesus. That's simple. 
This is really quick. He does this. And I think that's all we need to do. Listen, when you share with people, make sure they know who you're talking about. Then tell them about the life and ministry of Jesus. Then tell them about the death of Jesus. Then tell them about the resurrection of Jesus. Then let them know that Jesus is going to be the judge. And they need to decide judgment or freedom. It's up to them. So that's what Peter, look at. Look how quick he does this. You've got to love it. Verse 36, that the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. And then I love this, he can't help it. He says, he is Lord over all. That's kind of a parenthetical thing, right? And then he goes, listen, peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord over all. That you, or that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. So here's what he's saying. We all know, we all know what's going on. Hey, these guys weren't living in the dark. They knew. And most people you and I communicate with know something about Jesus. That's what he's letting them know. You know something about this. Come on, you guys know. You guys have Facebook. You've looked at it, right? You know what's going on. Then, listen, verse, verse 38, how God, so he goes that, that from the baptism, baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. That's his life in ministry, right? Going out doing ministry and here's what Peter says, we are all witnesses of all these things. That he, which he both did in, uh, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Peter says, "I saw everything he did, man. I was hanging out with him." And then he drops the bombshell, right? He says, "In Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging him on a tree." This one that we're talking about, all he ever did was help people, care for people, take care of people. And he got to Jerusalem and they hung him on a tree. Now listen, Peter, Peter's not talking about hanging like <coughs> hanging. He's using a euphemism talking about he was nailed to the cross. Peter knows that Jesus was crucified. But isn't it interesting, he's already brought up, I was hanging with the guy. I was an eyewitness. Now I know some people will say this, well, if I had an eyewitness like that talking to me, I'd believe him. You do, it's called the Bible. It's written. It's written for us. It's declared for us. Actually, I think this is a little bit better than an eyewitness because this doesn't change, right? Stays the same. So listen, he says, we were all witnesses to it. And he says, and they killed him. But listen, verse 40, him God raised up on the third day. That's still blowing people's minds. Listen, that blows people's minds today, doesn't it? You tell people Jesus rose from the dead. You really believe that archaic stuff? Uh-huh. Yeah, I do. When people make fun of me for believing in the resurrection, here's what I do. Prove to me he didn't raise from the dead. Prove it. You think I'm so silly and I'm so stupid. You prove to me he didn't raise from the dead and I'll change my mind. And then sometimes they go, you prove to me he did. I go, it's pretty simple. I have eyewitness accounts. I can read them to you. And they go, well, how do I know you can trust the Bible? And then you get into that whole thing. How do you know you can trust anything, right? So listen, he says, God raised from the dead. Now, he doesn't leave it there for them, and I think also for us. He says, God raised him up on the third day, and then listen, 
at the end of verse 40, and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Here's what Peter says, man. I was with him. I saw him eat food. I saw him drink stuff. And it didn't just like come back out. So I know he was in a real body, right? Because if he was just an aberration or a ghost, he'd like drink and it would all come out. He goes, listen, I saw him eat, I saw him drink, I saw him function. He was a living human being raised from the dead. I was there. Don't you love that? Woo, man, these guys, listen, the people in the room got to be going, yeah, we kind of heard about that. You know, a few months ago, it was trending on Twitter. And now, man, it's real. You're here, you're telling us that. And listen, I think they're going, man, I can't believe this is really going on. And then, listen, and then he tells them, he goes, listen, God chose those who were going to be witnesses, and we were witnesses who were chosen to be witnesses now. Now he's going to get down to the nitty-gritty. Life, ministry, death, resurrection. Now listen what he says. And, verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he that, that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Oh. You see, this guy I'm telling you about, this Jesus, he's going to judge you someday. Don't you love it? He's the one who's going to judge. Now listen, I, I believe when we talk to anybody and, and we get down there, I, I think that rattles people. I think that scares them a little bit. And that's the bad news. The bad news is Jesus is going to judge us for our sins, period. Unless you trust him. Listen to what he says, verse 43, to him all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. You need to believe in Jesus. Isn't that what Peter's telling him? You need to trust Jesus. Don't you love it? So it's real quick, man. He goes through it. Gives them the bad news, then gives them the good news that there is remission from sins. And as Peter's talking, here's how crazy this is. As Peter's sharing that, boom, all those people get saved. Right in the middle of his... Uh, you know, I think he had more to say because listen to what it says in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Man, <laughs> Peter's talking, he says... Wait a minute, man. I didn't even, even, even get to ask you if you wanted to accept Jesus. What are you guys doing? This is crazy talk. This is, the Holy Spirit is interrupting our service. He doesn't listen to Pastor Jack. Listen, man, is that crazy? You've got to understand, we don't save people. We don't even get people saved. All we are are instruments, tools, vessels, to just share. And if there's not proof of that anywhere else, there's proof of that here. Peter wasn't even done yet. And God saves him. Wow. Now don't you know that Peter was so excited? Yes, yes. Man, listen, I, I don't know how many are there. I, I, you know, I'm thinking there's 30 or 40 there. Maybe I'm kind of crazy. But I'm thinking there's at least that many. And that, listen, it says that all, all who heard the word were saved. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Don't you love that? And check this out, verse 45, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. Remember, I told you the guys, I did read ahead in chapter 11. There's six of them. So there's six guys came with him and this 
takes place, that group of people get saved, those six who were of the circumcision, right? They're Jews who got saved. They're of the circumcision, but they're believers. So they're part of the church. They're Jews. They're looking at this and they're going, uh, 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 uh. This cannot be happening. Don't you love it when God blows apart our theology? I do. Boom, man. Everything exploded. Everything, listen, everything these people believed in for centuries is now just crumbled away. And here these guys are, because here's what they thought. Here was the thinking of that day. You had to become a Jew to become a Christian. You had to convert from being a heathen, pagan, Gentile to Judaism, and then after you're in Judaism, then you could become a Christian because they looked at Christianity as just a sect of Judaism. Who's been saved so far in the book of Acts as we've been reading the Acts? Everybody that's been saved is a Jew, even the Samaritans, because they're part Jew, right? Everybody. And some of you are going, what about the Ethiopian eunuch? He converted to Judaism, remember? He had gone to the temple. He was reading the scroll of Isaiah. So now all of a sudden, listen, all of a sudden, that whole thinking just exploded. And these guys are looking and I think they're telling each other, do you see what I see? Man, these guys are like really saved. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. Look what's going on. How can that happen? That's not supposed to happen. We, we didn't even tell them about being a Jew yet. Wow, this got to be crazy, right? So they're all astonished. And then it says, listen, they're astonished, those who came with Peter in the middle of verse 45, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Wow, man, what an amazing, amazing time. Now listen, I know there are some people who are like totally scared to death of the whole idea of anybody ever speaking in tongues. You know, you kind of need to get over that. You've know, you got to deal with that and look at that because it is a gift of the Holy Spirit and, and you need to know that and not reject that and not push that away. And hopefully, you know, you listen, I'm not going to do a whole big thing. You can get our teaching through 1 Corinthians to really kind of get an understanding. But it is a genuine gift. And listen, listen to what the Lord does. Because of the situation that's going on here, because the church now is going outside of Judaism it has to be authenticated that these guys really got saved. And so they got saved and filled with, baptized with, whatever term you want to use, the upon experience of the Holy Spirit all at once. I love it. I love it. Because if you read through the book of Acts, right, we had the apostles who seemed to be saved. And then on the day of Pentecost, they received the Holy Spirit. You have the Samaritans who seemed to have believed. And then when the guys came down from, from Jerusalem, then they received the Holy Spirit. So you kind of see, you know, a step experience that some people will tell you. First, you need to get saved. Then you need to get, you know, the baptism of the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying filled because all of us get the Holy Spirit when we're saved. But then they say that. But listen, God just blows that out. These guys get everything. I call it this, the whole enchilada at once. Right? And they're saved, baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues and the guys are going around. I know they're really saved because you don't do that unless you're saved. Is that cool? And God demonstrates. Listen, in all those I mentioned, the day of Pentecost, the church is born, so to speak. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Then the church goes outside of Judea into Samaria, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And evidence is speaking in tongues because God is demonstrating. Now we go to the Gentiles, they're 
filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Spirit, and they're speaking in tongues. Now listen, some people from that then draw the conclusion, if you really are filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit, you will speak in tongues. That's not necessarily true. Listen, I believe that that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. I believe that's one of the gifts, but there's many gifts that He gives us. And people say, then what is the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit? I think it's real simple. It's love. Go back and read Corinthians. Listen, I know a lot of people baptized in the Spirit that do not speak in tongues. And I know a lot of people that are baptized in the Spirit that do speak in tongues. So don't reject that gift. And I just wanted to do a little bit here. But listen, this was a unique situation that God is letting everybody there know that they had received the Holy Spirit. That's incredible. Now look what Peter, then Peter answered. Listen, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized to have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Here's what Peter's saying. What are we waiting for, man? Let's get these guys baptized, right? I kind of like the early church kind of did it quick, right? And I know, you know, I know circumstances, but Peter's saying, let's baptize these guys. So, listen, he's telling them to get baptized, so, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Man, what a day, huh? What a special day for Cornelius, his family, and his friends. Well, I think if you were a friend of Cornelius and you didn't show up that day, bummer for you. Gotta love it, don't you? Now, another reason I love this section in the book of Acts is there are some denominations, some churches that will teach that if you're not baptized, you're not going to heaven. When I hear and teach that, listen, that's a, that's a works thing. If you add anything to grace, grace is no longer grace. You're either saved by grace or not, period. And they tend to add that. And I've had discussions, I've had long debates with them, and, and I've, asked, I've asked them point blank. So if you share the gospel with me, and I accept Jesus, and I ask Him to save me from my sins, and you're convinced He's going to save me from my sins, and then a truck runs over the top of me and I die before I'm baptized, I won't go to heaven? They go, nope. I tell them, man, I am so glad you're not God. So glad. Listen, they firmly believe that you must be baptized. Now, you can bring up the thief on the cross, but they, they do some stuff. And, and part of that is, you know, they do have a little bit of legitimacy. You know, Jesus has not, has not died yet, has not been resurrected, so they go into the whole... Dis- I, I don't agree, but, but I do understand their thinking. But listen, you bring this to them. Here's what I do to them. This is fun. I tell them, according to Ephesians chapter 1... When we're, giving the, when we're given the Holy Spirit, what does he tell us? What does Paul tell us about the Holy Spirit? He is the seal of our salvation. Right? When, once we have the Holy Spirit, we're sealed. We're in. We're, you're there, right? He's the stamp. He's going to get you there. He's your guarantee. And they go, yeah, we believe that. And I go, really? And then I said, let's read Acts chapter 10. When did these guys get the Holy Spirit? Before they were baptized or after? Before. Hmm, what are you going to do with that? And then they do this crazy thing. Well, that was another dispensation. And then you just go... Listen carefully. Here's what I want you to understand something. If you have theology that you believe, that's good, because we all do have theology. But the moment your theology does not agree with the Bible, change your theology. 
Don't try and change the Bible. Don't try and mess with the Bible. Change your theology. I had a man tell me that early in, in, in Bible college. And you know what? That's helped me more in my life of developing things. And, you know, hey, you need to change. You need to be flexible. We're growing and learning. And you may hang on to something, then you read something in your Bible, go, oh, that was kind of wacko. Okay, I'll drop that, right? So listen, man, now they're saved. Now look what happens after baptism. Hey, this sounds like church. Listen, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then the end of verse 48, then they asked him to stay a few days. Wow! Hey, Peter, can you hang out with us? I'm sure Peter went, yeah. How cool is this, right? We're going to do church. Now once again, I, I want to emphasize, Paul got saved, did church. These guys got saved, did church. Now, I'm not doing that just because I think people need to come to, you know, church or our church. I'm doing that because I do think God's people need to gather together. We need each other. If we're going to grow, we need one another, and we need to come together to do that. Now, some people tell me, well, you know, I do have the Holy Spirit, Pat, and I don't need a teacher. Hmm. Those guys had the Holy Spirit, and they wanted a teacher, right? We know they had the Holy Spirit. They wanted a teacher. And when people tell me that, I go, Really? So then why does God give us the gift of teaching? And why would he give teachers to the church? He's kind of mixed up. Listen, we all need teachers. All of us need teachers. We need people to come alongside. And I know what, they, they're, they're misquoting First John. I know what John's talking about, a whole different thing. But here's my point. Man, they got together and they began assembling together for the edification of the saints, for the building up to do the ministry that they were called to do. That is great, isn't it? Now next time, listen, next time we're going to find out Jerusalem's not too happy. Pete's got to go talk to Jerusalem. It's going to get a little tense. Man, I, I look at him and I think, dude, you had it hard, right? God chose him to go outside. God chose him to take the, the steps. Now he's got to go and answer to the boys. So that's next time. But I want to close with a couple thoughts. Number one, I hope that we're going to pray and ask God to give us boldness like Peter. And I'm not talking about boldness. Of, I'm talking about boldness to obey him as he shows us things. You see, Peter going on this journey had to be, I think, one of the hardest steps he ever took in his Christian faith. And I pray that we would have the boldness as God shows us. Because I know, I, I think you guys are like me. God will maybe impress on your heart to share with somebody and you talk yourself out of it, right? Eh, I don't know, man, they don't want to listen. And I pray we would have a little bit more boldness. And then I want us to remember this. If God is impressing on our hearts to share with somebody, that means God is already working in that person's heart. And maybe, just maybe, maybe we're going to be the ones that see the fruit fall, right? Maybe he's going to save them. Maybe we're just going to be a little bit more fertilizer, a little bit more water. We don't know. But listen, it's not up to you to save people. That's up to God. It's up to you just to be obedient. So let's be like Peter. And then the other side, the other side of the coin, I want us to do this. Cornelius, what did Cornelius do? He gathered family and friends and brought them to hear the word. When was the last time you invited somebody to come to church with you? Family and friend that don't know Jesus. And you asked them to come. Now I know some of you are going, dude, man, that's hard. And then they yell at me. It's okay, just get yelled at. It's fine. 
But think about when was the last time you did that? Hey, why don't you go to church with us? I don't do church. Isn't that what people usually say? I don't do church. Say, well, would you do it today? For me, you're my friend. You're my family. Come on, let's go. Let's get, a, let's get in a car and let's do it. I love, man, Cornelius brought those people. And who knows, if you bring somebody, they might just get saved. Might be the day of salvation for them. Good story, huh? Man, let's do this. Let's, let's kind of, listen, again, these were people just like us. They're not super saints. They're not robotics. They're not, they're not automatons. They're not make-believe. They're not characters in the story. These were men and women living life in the first century that we get a little bit of glimpse into their life and see how church was done in the first century so we can mimic that and do church in the 21st century. Let's stand up and pray. Lord, we do look at this, and, and God, I know, I know it's kind of like we look at it and it's a little bit like, wow, some crazy stuff going on. And maybe some of our minds are thinking, well, man, Pat's wanting me to go and do something like crazy and go into some culture where they're eating people or something and tell them about Jesus. And Lord, I don't think many of us are called to things like that. But I do believe we're called to, quote, get out of our comfort zone of not even being able to share you with others. I know that's a hard thing. All of us face that. It's difficult. And I pray that we would begin to be a little bit more bold as we sing in the songs of the things we're going to do. We're going to follow you. We're going to trust you. We know that if anything comes against us, they can't stand because how great you are. We sing all of those words. And I pray that they would be more than just words to a song, but they would be the cry of our heart. Use us in our community, in our family, in our friends. Be glorified through us, God, as we do this thing called church. Not, not what's done in these four walls of this building, but doing this thing called church 24-7. Thank you, God for giving us the book of Acts to encourage us. And I'm going to ask you to stay in a place, an attitude of prayer for another couple moments. And you know what? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, woo, man, today is the day of salvation for you. You walked in to the right place. Maybe you just wandered in. Maybe somebody brought you. But just like Cornelius and his friends, man, you have the opportunity today to be saved from your sin. The Bible's really clear about we're all sinners, every one of us. And the Bible's clear about what the wages, the penalty of sin is death, separation from God. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, was separated from God, taking your place, taking your sin upon Him so you don't have to pay for it. And now here's the good, good news. He's holding it out to you and today you can receive remission from sins by trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ, by trusting in what He did. So if you want to do that, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say a prayer. And you can repeat the prayer with me. You can do it out loud. You can do it silently. But it's got to be sincere. It's got to come from your heart. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. 
And I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. Today, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's the cry of your heart and you said that prayer is something like it, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up in the air and you can put it high up in the air so we can see it. We want to pray with you, celebrate with you.